Hello and welcome back to Kent and the Steering Team. Here for another week of fun, frivolity, and another fill-in movie review episode. You guys must be getting used to this by now. Uh, anyway, as always, you are joined by myself, Drew, and my good mate, Phil. Unfortunately, Kent couldn't be here. He is too caught up reading the latest Stephen King novel. Anyway, on with the show. Mr. Philip, how are you? Philip is well. Philip is very well. He's still abroad. He's uh, actually probably starting his road trip at this point. You would be, yes. Doing. Um, yeah, so that's going to be fun. He has no experience driving on that side of the road whatsoever, but let's see how he goes. Hopefully he comes, hopefully I come back and, uh, am alive. And hopefully we don't not hear the car praying across the pond. Correct. Hopefully not. Uh, how would you be? Uh, I, I'm all right. You know, I'm at that point where when you're wearing a belt and if you go one rung looser, there's no point wearing the belt, but you're at the rung where... It's just tight enough that you're having to get up and go to the bathroom frequently. Oh, I see. That's, That's the fun. point of uncomfortable that I'm at. But you, you didn't need quite, to know no, that. You're also sitting on quite a firm chair, so therefore I'd be I am, feeling pro- like I was about to fart the whole time because your ass is getting numb. It's probably in a, in a good posturous point, but okay. yeah. You know what? We just need another chair in here that's comfy. Another rolly chair. We do need another rolly chair in here. Absolutely, we do. Um, we should think about that. Maybe mm, when you get home. Maybe when I get home. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what we can do. Well, we have to build a studio when you get home. Of some description. Yes. yes so that'll be a whole other thing that we work on. Mm, indeed. Um, anyway. On with the show, on, I guess. On with the show. We're here to chuck in another movie review. We've actually spent a little bit of the time before you've gone away catching up on... A few good movies before the summer movie blockbuster season begins. Exactly. The the early birds are all out. So, of course, for the last couple of weeks, we've reviewed Us and Dumbo. And this week, we're bringing you Pet Cemetery. Correct, because uh, at the time of recording, we've just come back from seeing Pet Cemetery. We have indeed. Um, Cemetery? Cemetery. I don't know. Also, they spelt it wrong in the movie. They do, because the book spells it wrong. And they Why? make an... Well, the book spells it S-E-M as Why well. Why does he do that? I don't know. I don't understand it. And I haven't bothered to look either. I like how the... So, as all of our other reviews, or our last two reviews, there are going to be a lot of spoilers in this review. So, if you have any interest in going and seeing the film... Do so, otherwise it is as... If you as haven't watched it already uh, in the a, last two, three weeks. Yeah, otherwise, I was going to say, it's also, if you've seen any trailers of the film, you've therefore seen the entirety of the movie, because it basically tells you the entire story. We didn't... Not a spoiler. <laughs> we, well, it's not a spoiler, because we... Yeah. We hadn't seen the film when we saw the trailer, and at the end of the trailer, we are like, I think we've just seen the film. Now that I've seen the film, I can no, tell I, you, yeah. you have seen the entire film if you've seen the trailer. Also, this is not the first Pet Cemetery movie, and it's not the... Cemetery. <laughs> wow. I didn't mean to say that, and also... Cemetery. And obviously it's based on a novel, so therefore if you've not seen that previous movie or read the, the book, I don't know how likely you are to have seen this one anyway. Yeah. Um, having said that, though, I'd, I'd neither read the book nor seen the original movie, and I did go and see it. But I had seen the trailer, so therefore I guess there is that. Um, yeah, there will be a lot of spoilers in this review, though, so if you wish to not find out about it, don't listen to this podcast until yeah, you've cool. seen the film. Yeah, and instead you can move on to next week's episode, where we review, review the film Shazam. <laughs> and if you have no interest in that one, well, don't listen to that one either, but go and click on it anyway, so that way it gives us some listeners. Um, cool. Anyway, on to this review of Pet Cemetery. Yes. 
Pet Cemetery, based on the best-selling novel by Stephen King. Uh, Stephanie King. Should, should I bring up a... I, I think I should bring up a thingamabob. Should uh, actually read a little bit about it. Yeah. What's interesting in, on, on the fact that they name uh, Pet Cemetery spelt wrong... Was the name of the film Cemetery with a C, though? No, with an S. Okay, Same so as was, the book. So the film was spelt incorrectly as well. Yeah. The girl, the, the, the girl in it, the daughter in it, mentions it, though. She says that to John Lithgow's character and says, you spelt, they spelt it incorrectly. Hmm. Did you notice that earlier I on? Did, I did yeah. notice that. I found that interesting. Um, interesting. <laughs> okay, so here the <clears throat> synopsis is as follows. Dr. Lewis Creed and his wife Rachel relocate from Boston to rural Maine with their two young children. The couple soon discover a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near their new home. When tragedy strikes... Lewis turns to his neighbour, Judd Crandall, setting off a perilous chain reaction that unleashes an unspeakable evil with horrific consequences. Ooh. Spooky. Very. Okay, so, yeah, film opens, the family just move into a new... And so the film opens with seeing an abandoned car sitting there and blood on the door of the house. Yeah. Doesn't it? And then we go back to seeing them arriving in town into their new house and they settle into their new home. Lovely. And, yeah, it bookends itself, yeah. doesn't it? The daughter then does what all stupid children do, which is completely ignore anything to do with the parents and anything that they want because... Uh, no, no, sorry. We see a, a, a random group of people with masks on and a drum and a dead animal yeah, a in, a, in, a, in a basket and they're walking off into the forest. And uh, the mum and the daughter then stand there and go... Oh, that's a bit strange. And then the mum says, okay, let's go inside, shall we? Uh, and they go inside, and then the mum is there, and the daughter then obviously does what stupid children do, do, uh, does or do, runs off out of the house for some reason and into the spooky forest, which no children yep. would ever do, but somehow this child did. In the spooky forest, um, the child then starts mucking around and climbing on shit that they shouldn't be. John Lithgow approaches and says, no, no, get down from there, don't be there. Don't be that kid. Yeah, and they're in the pet cemetery at that point because they are then standing there, and that's when he, she she goes to John Lithgow. They spelt it wrong. Anyway, so um, that happens. Um, yeah. Then the pet, the family pet, gets killed. Gets hit. They have a cat, and it gets hit by What's a truck. Cat's name again. Church, because it's church. Named, that's Winston right. Churchill. Church. So anyway, then odd, Church odd gets killed. And so then John Lithgow, who has now taken a liking to this little girl, in no sort of creepy way, mind you, just a normal no, way. It's just a fondness. Yeah. Like it's, it's really innocent. Yeah, exactly. So, gets on really well, and uh, decides, you know what, so the cat's dead, they're going to bury it, they have to tell the daughter, for some reason the mum, well, we know why the mum's disapproving of... Uh, death and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, the mum has issues with death because she was... feels that she killed her sister when she was young. Because her sister had some sort of massive back problem or something like that. Some it was just creepy, creepy and deformed. Yep, yep. Um, and possessed looking. So then John Lithgow goes, you know what? I think I'm going to do something nice here. I'm going to do something really nice here for that family. This family. What was it? There's an ant on your trackpad. Uh, I'm going to do something really nice for this family here and this little girl yep. that I really like. And I'm going to find out a way for this... Well, actually, I'm going to make sure that this cat comes back to life. Possessed and evil. Um, because I really like this family and this little girl. I'm really fond of her. So I'm going to absolutely fill her with joy and give her a half-dead, manky, possessed, manky, possessed 
evil cat back now, even though it's dead. So John Lithgow leads the father into a uh, forest. Through the forest, it's really creepy and dark and lightning stormy and weird. And instead of burying the cat in the normal pet cemetery, which was, again, incredibly creepy anyway, they take it into some mystical little... between some rocks and they bury it there and it comes back to life. I don't know if you noticed, but, um, and they didn't really make a big fuss over it in the film, but when they're in the actual pet cemetery, mm-hmm. you know how like, they've all got the, the little sticks with the name of the, mm-hmm. like, you know, the makeshift tombstones. The way that they're arranged in there mm-hmm. is the same as that weird carving on the tree, the spiral in. I didn't notice that at all. I noticed it while we were watching, I was like, are you going to revisit that? In the same way that I wondered why they didn't revisit all the other children doing the procession. Mm. They never revisited that, except that the girl wound up wearing the mask later. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, why were those kids as well? Or I don't think so. I think they were just no, normal kids. Yeah, yeah they're like norm, normal kids in the town wearing, wearing animal masks, which was just really demented. Mm. But they never revisited, and it just no. annoyed me because it, it should have been something that was confronted again, but wasn't. And it also, there's so there are two parts of the cemetery. There's the normal part of the pet cemetery, which is just mm. random, awful-looking, creepy place. Yeah. And then there's the mega creepy place, which is beyond and in the darkness, and you can only seem to in the um, the yeah. something god thing. some animal creature there with the, evil the, horns there is going to come after you. There were, um, yeah, did you notice the cat looked looked like that when it first walked back on the road? It looked yeah, like a demonic bit. creature. Yeah. And then it cut away to the girl, cut back, and it was the cat. cat. Yeah. And like, oh, okay. What I don't understand is, though, that... Why the hell were those kids in that first... The, were they not frightened by the first part of it? The second thing is, what parent lets their kids go under, like... Uh, you know, unsupervised to go bury an animal uh, that's dead? poor parenting, and it just... This is what frustrates me. It may be the book, it may be the film, or it just may be a product of the fact that this was a story originally written decades ago. But it... You know, maybe that that is the problem. I, I think that is the problem, that this is a story that was written in a time where... Kids were able to just go out and do whatever, and parents yeah, were but, not supervising. And they've tried they to apply had... that by setting this film in the present day. Yeah, which doesn't work. Why would you let kids take you a don't. dead animal with a kid behind you beating a drum and some weird masks on? Oh, just it's walk... just part of the town. Not just that, tradition. walking through someone's property to go bury an animal on someone's property in the most horrifying of places. Just a cemetery made of st- just with stick bloody tombstones and everything like that not even a proper cemetery with a fence around it it's just a a spot in the forest that people bury their, their pets not only that though there's an even creepier one attached to it which no one knows about except for John Lithgow so then he takes bloody this guy into there and they go and bury the cat and the cat comes back to life it just doesn't make sense it's illogical but anyway that happens it's just um so that happens, then the, the cat comes back to life, the cat's clearly possessed and manky and like covered in blood because it had been hit by a truck, and so it was just a mess, and when it came back to life it wasn't clean or anything, and it was just evil, and scratched the little girl, and the brother, and the dad, and was just wailing all the time, and just growling and evil, and hissing and stuff, so anyway, then they, the dad decided to get 
rid of the cat for the second time, he mm. got rid of the cat. Yeah. Instead of killing it, though, because it needed to be put down, and John Lithgow, John Lithgow said, the first time. John Lithgow apologized and said, "Sorry, I took you there. That's a bad idea. Things come back possessed and clearly not good. It happened to my dog as a child. I just oh. thought that maybe it'll be different this time." No. So anyway, then he was like, "I'm really sorry. We'll kill it then, and then it'll be done." And then the guy goes, "Oh, okay, no worries." And then instead of killing the cat, he goes and takes it like to some Ben place and just lets it go. Just kill the fucker. Anyway, we we skip forward to the kid's ninth birthday, the daughter's ninth birthday, and she's disappointed. She wants to go back to town. She doesn't like being there. She's sad. The cat's run away she again. Wants the cat back. And she's all sad. And even the, the cat, cat was back able, that nearly killed you. Sure. Yeah, she's she's sad that the cat's gone. Even and she feels guilty that the cat's gone because the cat didn't. She didn't like the cat because it was clearly dead, and evil. So, um, side note: to really just to make the point, we enjoyed the movie. Don't get us wrong. We enjoyed the movie. Just the story is just frustrating because mm-hmm. stupid character actions. And we keep seeing more of a trend of this lately. Yep, absolutely. Stupid character actions. And, and it's uncharacteristic because Stephen King's stories don't normally center on stupid people or at least your main characters mm. aren't or aren't necessarily behaving stupidly. What's really annoying is that there was a moment in this film where I thought it was going to redeem itself and do what so many films don't do. You know that you know how when someone's looking off into the distance and they see something that seems bizarre? Yeah. And then they say oh like they say nothing about it and someone goes, What's the matter? And they go, Oh, no, no, nothing, nothing. Yep. The dad it was one of those things I think the fast forward, the daughter dies because Again, the cat comes back at the kid's birthday. She sees the cat on the road, runs onto the road, gets hit by a truck. Yep. Anyway, so the kid's dead, and then suddenly they're all disappointed and sad and everything like that because the kid's dead, even though it was a stupid idiot that ran onto the road to see a cat. Who has a house by a fucking freeway, though, or something? There's just there's trucks going at a trillion kilometers an hour flying. And, so and, far, and far. it's preempted. They, um, they foreshadow it at the very beginning by having the truck well past and scare the shit out of the mother. Mm. So clearly we know this is happening, but instead of putting a fence up, they just go, oh, that's fine. Yeah. We'll play a blindfolded game of hide oh, and seek and let the kids run on the road. Living in quiet country town in Maine. It's all, it's got is, all it has is trucks nothing, going past. The nothing nothing bad ever happens here. Cut to... Wow, stomach. Cut to 10 minutes later. The cat's dead. And no, no, not even the cat dead. Quiet town, nothing happens. 10 minutes later, the dad, who is a doctor, by the way encounters a freakish incident where some dude gets run over by a car and then the dude dies and a minute later haunts the Comes doctor. back to life and says, Lewis, who's his character name? Yeah. You know, just, I know you did something or don't do whatever you're about to do or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it just... No. No. Yeah, that's what it was. That was the no. scene. That was the scene. He said, I think he says to the nurse, oh, he just said my name. And then the nurse goes, what? And then he goes, oh, nothing. And leaves it that. No, you should have said something. Like, just... He, they were about to redeem themselves and they didn't do the thing. They didn't do the good thing. They did the bad thing, which was to do it's that scene. It's awfully frustrating. Yeah, and the stupid thing again and again. Anyway, so then oh, um, the, cat, the girl gets killed. The mom gets sad and goes away on holiday with the, the son. And then the dad's at the house all on his own. He goes and gets, uh, digs the daughter up then and takes her to this place. Even though John Lithgow's character had said, don't do what you're thinking of doing. You've just literally seen that the cat goes possessed and the guy's daughter was possessed. Uh, sorry, dog was possessed and they had to kill it and then they got the cat away. And like, you just seen what fucking happens. Anyway, 
He does the thing, the daughter comes back, the daughter's clearly possessed and, or, well, possessed and dead. The daughter even goes, am I dead? And he goes, no, 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 don't be silly. Just went away somewhere. Um, she's in the bath and the dad's brushing her hair and just, for some reason, there's a knot or, like, tag in the back of her head. Instead of stopping, trying to get it out, he just keeps ripping on the back of her head with a hairbrush and pulls out clumps of hair. And then we see some staples in the back of her head, so she's clearly dead still. Um, and, uh, yeah, so she was dead and she's possessed and then everything goes horribly wrong and she kills everyone, so, you know. Well, the staples are there because they would have performed an autopsy on her. Why? She got hit by a truck. Probably still performed an autopsy. They didn't tend to do that if it was bad. Mm. Um, yeah, but, uh, I liked the movie. We we liked the movie. It, it's not a movie that we didn't like. We just were a bit like, hmm, okay. A lot of dumb decisions happened. You want to come, come talk about Pet Cemetery with us? Yeah, you're probably going to say the same as us. It was a good movie. We enjoyed it. They but stupid things. They're so dumb. The whole movie. I just feel like every horror movie I've watched recently, it's frustrating to watch because they just do stupid shit. I get shit. it. It hinges like, on stupid things. And like I, so I just finished saying Sarah about how... some good horror. Like what? I don't know. I, I the Conjuring s- 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah, that's good horror. Yeah. They don't. There's not a lot of doing the stupid thing. There's a little bit of it, but not a huge amount of it. Sometimes things just happen. And they can't control it in those movies. In this one, again, like I just finished saying that, like uh, everyone just does the stupid thing. Like the guy had literally just seen his cat be possessed and revolting and evil, and the guy, the neighbor, goes, "Oh, yeah, that happened to my dog too. I thought that it'd be different this time. I guess not." So then he, what does he do? I'll go bring my daughter back because that'll be fine. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. They justify it by him going, oh, once you go to that place, once the temptation to go back is so real and so strong. And I know what you're thinking, but you can't do that. Again, again, it's because we... Also, we find out that John Lithgow's character did go back and brought his wife back and she was still evil, so he killed her as well. So... Yeah, but they don't make that very clear. But it's, the, it's like a yeah. throwaway sentence yeah. that is not... I, because I'm still confused about that now. I know they kind of say that, and she's, like mm. they allude to it briefly, but they don't actually go into any no. detail. Wouldn't that be wonderful character development? I wonder if the book does. I wonder. But this movie skipped over a lot of things. The annoying thing was like the unrealistic. It's just like, you're like... The little girl where she just like leaves the house and goes into the cemetery. Like, yeah. What child? I said that too. What this? Yeah. The house, I would like... be terrified to go if yeah. I saw some kids walking with evil pet-looking mask or animal masks on, a dead dog or cat in a basket, and then someone walking along with a drum at a really slow pace behind them. I wouldn't be like, you know what? And seriously, I want to go and see where they're going. That forest looks creepy and dark, and I'm with my mother here, and I'm terrified, and I'm in a new place, and I don't like it here, and I want to go back to my new house. Oh, my old house in Boston. Now, stuff it. I'm going to go walk into the forest and see what's going on instead of watching Spongebob. Yeah, what eight-year-old chooses going into the creepy fucking forest instead of Spongebob and Patrick? Mm. But the thing that does make her want to go home is when a cat scratches her. 
that was the pivotal point. They're like, nah, I'm done. My cat scratched me. Not any of the other creatures. Except for when the cat then disappears and then she mopes through her birthday because, oh, the cat oh, left yeah, me. Is it my fault? I'll make sure you close the door so that the cat doesn't come in. I don't like that cat because it's clearly dead and it smells like death and it is evil and it has like blood clot in its hair because it got hit by a truck and is clearly not alive. But, you know, that's my cat. And, oh, now I'm sad because my cat's gone missing. Now I want to go back home. No, what are you talking about? Anyway, then the cat comes back while, again, we also comment on the fact that they're playing hide-and-seek with the blindfold on in front of that road, which they, again, in the first ten or first five minutes of the movie, proved was an evil place or a dangerous place because they had a truck go past so fast and so big to scared the shit out of the mum and the son. But then they go and play hide-and-seek in front of that road because that's perfectly fine. Daughter gets hit by a truck, gets killed. She comes back to life because the dad's an idiot. Since and when she's is this stupid in a Stephen King story? Like, like they're yeah. stupid, but not like this kind of stupid. Exactly. So, a little bit frustrating that that happened, but... Um, this is a smidge. Like... And, and, and look, uh, look, I thought John Lithgow played his character really well. But he does, doesn't he? Because he plays every character really well. It's John Lithgow, you think. Uh, he's a very gifted actor. And, yeah, it was wonderful and the seeing voice. him in that part. The voice. The voice. Can't, can't get bored of John Lithgow's voice. And you know what? I found Jason Clarke to be a really believable dad, even though he makes a couple of stupid errors himself. Yeah. But, but that's not down to performance, that's down to writing. What else is but, he in? But he when, does... he's, when he's... Like, when the eyes are all bloodshot and watery, yeah. which is, like, the whole second half of the movie, basically. Like, I find him really compelling and really, really deep in his character. Like, that is the sign of a good actor. He just goes headfirst into this character and embodies him completely. Um, what else has he been in, you ask? Yeah. Jason Clark, Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, I think I've seen him in Mudbound. No. Everest, no. Terminator Genesis, yep. Pet Cemetery, yep. The Aftermath, Serenity, First Man, uh-huh. Winchester, Chappaquiddick. Um, Life Aquatic, I think you mean to say. No. <laughs> Chappaquiddick. Nice try. Um, he's funny. been in heaps of things. Hang on. Halifax FP, Diagnosis Murder, Water Rats, Heartbreak High. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, Aussie actor. Yeah. Two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Blue healers. All saints. Uh, our lips are sealed. The Mary-Kate Nashley Sydney Oh, film. I know what I think I thought. The so Bill. Even, what? I thought I think I... I think... I thought that he was in Prometheus. This is the blue guy at the start. He has the same face. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbit proof fence. Hey. Uh, home and away. Hey. Uh, Farscape. Okay. There we go. White Collar Blue, oh, okay. Stingers, remember White Stingers? Blue. Yeah, I remember Stingers. Um, Death Race with Jason Statham. Oh. <laughs> uh, Brotherhood it was a show he starred in. Fair enough. Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps. Okay. Um, Lawless with Tom Hardy and um, Thingamabob, Shire. The Great Gatsby. I didn't see that. It's good. It's worth watching. White House Down. Okay, maybe I saw him in there. Oh, of course, this is likely what you saw him in. This I knew I was forgetting a crucial one. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Who was he in Dawn of the Planet? The main guy. I don't think I've ever seen Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. 
It's the one after the James Franco one. Yeah, I didn't see that. Oh, you haven't seen it? Watch it. No, I haven't seen any of them after the James Franco one. The two after the Franco one are brilliant. How many are there? There's just three. Okay. Yeah. In this new timeline, there are three. Okay. But the James Franco one is the awful one in comparison to the other two. Um, Quickly, why in those movies, yes. I know it's completely off topic and on a tangent. No, no, go on. Why do they not at any point show or miss out on the fact that they could have shown a rocket taking off? On They should, could have just had James Franco standing in front of a TV with on, on the news in the background a spaceship taking off to go, or like a space shuttle go, go, taking off into space. I thought because there was a shot of it. I didn't think there was. But I they thought there was a shot of something. But there always should have been. That's what I've, I was annoyed about because they never alluded to the fact that these people could have That's been... That's another good one with John Lithgow. thing. What? Rise of the Planet of the Apes. John Lithgow's in it. Is he? Yep. Okay, I didn't know that. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah, he's in there. Uh, Lord Fuckwad. <laughs> I mean, what? Uh, Lord Fuckwad. Exactly. Uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah. look, uh, good cast, stupid children, because um, that's the way it was written. And again, clearly a script for a different time, or a, a, a book for a different time. I think maybe I'd be less um, Pretty critical of it if they'd set it in the time that it was written. Again, like it, you can totally understand these kids running around or riding around on their bikes because it's not, it's a different time. There's none of this, you know, totally over the top political correctness. You see it in Stranger Things as well. It's set in a different time. Isn't it? Stranger Things is set in the 80s. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And so, and it is what, the same? It is set in the 70s but it was it was a very weird and interesting trajectory so the book of it is set in two decades but then because you know there's a 27 year gap Mm -hmm. but then the recent movie of it is set 27 years after the book and then another 27 years later took it to the present day so the next one, which is coming out this year, yeah. is set now. It, yeah, the the one the one this year throws off the pattern, but basically, every twenty seven years, it was written in a certain year, with the with the twenty seven years previous, and then the twenty seven years in the future being mm-hmm. the present day, right? Yeah. So he wrote it with the first half being twenty seven years previous. Twenty seven years after it was written, mm-hmm. was the new movie. Mm-hmm set 20 set no or was it 20 oh god i'm losing track now <laughs> uh, but yeah pet cemetery was written in 1983 right set for 1983 set in 1983 okay so therefore it'd be more forgivable if it was set in 1983 it would so why didn't they just set the movie in that era i, I mean it really doesn't make a difference on on much no. but because you set it in the present day i think it actually ruins a lot of it because it makes it unforgivable Again, letting your kids go off into the scary forest like that would be ridiculous. Yeah. Kids wanting to go into the scary forest would be ridiculous. Kids being allowed to wear creepy masks and have, walk around with their dead dead pet and follow this like satanic kind of ritual would be not permissible in this day and age. Not, not going on going onto someone's property like that would be not permissible at all. So it makes it a little bit hard to believe. Mm. really it certainly does um and then look at the end of the movie okay more spoilers 
but like this whole thing has been um, yeah. dad's finally about to kill the daughter because she's possessed and that's what you have to do with possessed things the cat's run off so that's out and off the cat's out of the bag basically the cat's off running around the world doing its own thing um, yep. and then uh, the mum has been killed by the daughter because why not because um, the mother was too afraid to actually literally do anything like for example hold a door shut while the daughter tried to get in Anyway, so the mum gets killed because she's an idiot. It's a bit like The Shining, the mum's an idiot. Yeah. Um, except in this day and age, therefore, it's even more unforgivable because, you know, surely they're more empowered nowadays, but no, she couldn't do that. So she couldn't hold the door shut, so then she got killed by the daughter with a knife. Um, and then, uh, yep, yeah, gets dragged into the forest to feed this beast in the forest by the daughter. Because the dad's gone off to look around and check somewhere because John Lithgow's character has been killed as well by the daughter. Of course it has. Because, again, the dad, instead of watching the daughter, just goes, oh, maybe I'll do nothing and let the daughter just run away. And the daughter runs away and then he goes and looks in the house. Mm. Anyway, so then the dad goes after the daughter to get the mum back because she can't, he can't find the mum. And then uh, just as he's about to kill the daughter, he gets killed by the mum's possessed body. Yeah. And then... Next thing we see, we see the three of them walking along with the cat to go to the family's car where the little boy, unpossessed, is sitting on his own. Do you think he was killed by them or do you reckon he just goes along with the family with them all dead? We don't know that answer. I don't know. The, I don't the know. credits just randomly come on at that moment. I don't know. I, I liked... I, I did like that it ended with that shot, actually. I, yeah, I, but I, I think... Thematically, that, it, that was... Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. But I, Do but I, I like it? I don't know. I don't wait, like it. I, I, again, I thought it was a good ending shot, but at the same time... Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with the concept of it. Do, do I like it against the rest of it? It, it also felt like the story wasn't... It's, a, it's abrupt. It's incredibly abrupt. Like I don't. And that's annoying. Feel like we got the whole to- story told because it's just kind of like, oh, that's it, finished. Yeah. Like, would that you agree, Sarah? It just felt. ended incredibly abruptly. Yeah, like I, feel I was, like there was never any like point to the film. Like, yeah, because now they actually done. happened. Yeah. Like what did happen? Where everyone, you know. No, it doesn't matter because it's not. Oh, here I found. Yeah. I found the twenty-seven year thing here. For, um, yeah, there was it, 27 years between the first adaptation and the second adaptation. So the Tim Curry one came out in 1990, and then the new film came out in 2017. Okay, there's so no link to the books. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Good. Um, yeah. I think that this movie ended way too abruptly, and kind of I was kind of surprised when the credits came on, and the incredibly irrelevant and non-fitting music... Yeah, credit music again. Not bad song, but just not relevant. To mm. the, like it, it was just so out of place to the, you know, music or the score in the rest of the film. Yeah, it's completely out of place. But anyway, yeah, it happened. Um, look, do you want to get to your score now, Mister Drew? Yeah, let's get to the scores. Um, I don't know. There's not overly massive stuff to talk about with it. It just, you know, it had that same feeling we were talking about it with. Dumbo, where it's just it is a story. You get to the end. There's nothing really left to think about afterwards. I no, mean, exactly. I, it will probably linger in my mind a little bit, but there's really nothing to go over the top about with it. It it's definitely not on the same. Bye, sir. Bye. Uh, 
Look, looking at some Stephen King novels just before we get to the scores. Yeah. Or films, sorry. Film adaptations. Adaptations. Yeah, well, we had this discussion afterwards, didn't we? Yeah. Look, it isn't particularly scary. It's cool. It's a cool ride. It's more of an adventure than anything. It's like a roller coaster in the dark. Yeah, but it's still not very scary. I think the scariest point was the in the bathroom where he goes, you'll float too in the bathroom. I mean, sorry, in the basement. The flooded basement. That's the really scary that part. was the scary part. For no, the part that got me was when Beverly turns around in the bathroom. Oh no, that's and the, he's there. Yeah, that's the biggest that jump scare. That's I the jump scare. Nearly screamed at. Oh no, so, no, that's number one jump scare. Number one that's, actual thing is is the basement. Yeah, sorry, that's the number two jump scare. Do you know why? When he mm. pops out of the projector. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, that I sure. ne- I nearly jumped out of the chair when that happened. I look. I still. Oh. I still don't view it as a horror. It's not a horror. Is it a horror? Yeah, it's a horror. I 100% view it as a horror. There is a shot in there toward the beginning of it that scares what, the, the shit out of me. No, when the black kid's being chased by the bullies and looks across the lake and sees Pennywise feasting on a child and waves the dead arm. At the okay, kid, it's a horror. and it just—it's creepy. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, it is a horror, and also not, the sewer scene. But it's not. Yeah, I guess it's no, scary. It's scarier than I remember it. I guess. Um, I've rewatched it a few times so now, and it's I just. I don't remember leaving it particularly fried. But I mean, look—if I think of—I think it's more thriller than horror. But I would definitely still put it in the horror category. There are films in the horror category that have less going on than it did and okay well then it it it, and i agree i still think that it is probably besides misery the best stephen king adaptation in my eyes because misery is timeless for me um look i think they've all been pretty good but i think that this is probably one of the weaker adaptations yeah because it's set in the wrong time and the story just kind of ends abruptly and it's it's, it's it feels less not plausible well, but it feels less kind of thought out and again i think that's a little bit of the issue of it's in the wrong times at the time i feel like it doesn't translate to film as well as some of the other books do it it do you know it, it just didn't feel theatrical in any way if that makes any sense yeah. when i was sitting there watching it i felt almost like i was watching a tv movie not a not a cinema yeah, movie. Yeah, it had, it had, again, even like the, the scary parts where he's in that random part of the forest in the middle of nowhere, there was, they, they alluded to a creature out there, but there was no vision of anything out there. It was just, you heard like some trees rustle. I felt like I was watching a 20 year old midday movie on channel seven. Yeah. That, that was kind of where, where yeah. it sat for me or the Sunday afternoon movie at 3 yeah. PM. <laughs> yeah, was, it, especially, way, especially the way that they were almost, it felt like, it's good, me. but... In, in in promotion of the film, it felt like they were writing off of the success of it a lot. Yes, in, in the whole found, yeah. the marketing of this kind of creepy film, um, Stephen King novel, you know, scary things in the dark. Yeah, look at that. It it is it, but it didn't yeah reach the same successes by any means. No, and and that was frustrating. Um, again, like I've seen so many Stephen King adaptations now, and. It just, for me, it doesn't measure up. It's still good, mm-hmm. but it's at the lower end of the spectrum. It's not right up there. And 
No, exactly. Like, like for me, the best adaptation is Shawshank. Um, of course, but I also, keep but also because Shawshank is just such an incredible film as well, and it's rated number one on the IMDb two hundred. Yeah, the top two fifty. It's rated as the number one movie of all time on their chart, as voted by the users. But yeah, yeah the, I just and, and you know I read some reviews before mm-hmm. on um, Rotten Tomatoes collates the reviews from all the mm-hmm. all the official reviewers or whatever they call them, um, and even my favorite um, film reviewer gave it a glowing review. I've, I've actually left it open. I've, really. They, they left a, a glowing review. I, yeah, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone, absolute legend. Um, he's been reviewing movies for decades. Mm. His comment was, Stephen King's scariest novel comes back to life in a killer diller chiller that will make you jump out of your seat. It's the stuff of nightmares. Mm. I, I can't really argue with that. I'm not going to have nightmares over this one. It, I'd have more argument, uh, more nightmares over than uh, this. It has made me terrified to go to sleep some nights if I watch it late and then I'm still thinking mm. about it for a while. I This one I'm going to have no issues with because I just yeah. found it all too a bit stupid. Yeah, it didn't... Like it, Some bits were like grotesque, like the dude the that ankle. died at the beginning. Or and even the, like and John Lithgow getting his ankle cut out, which yeah. is going to make me consider that because I find... I'm weird like when someone bends like their wrist back and you can see like the inside of the joint and that like kind of where you can see the veins and stuff I find that gross because yeah. in my mind I always picture someone slicing it with a knife which is stupid yeah that, that freaked um, us out the thing under bit. the tongue you know that little thing the thing that can the frenulum the yeah that that thing when yeah. that, that is the most revolting thing to get like I can imagine someone like cutting that Drew yeah I've um, torn mine before. which is just yep. horrifying a thought and now I'm going to add the ankle thing to my, my the list getting his Achilles sliced and that's and that's and the cut. thing. There, there, there was like it. there was some key moments in here that that were a little bit terrifying to mm. see. However, it wasn't an overall scary thing. No. Whereas the concept of Pennywise it's terrifies just, me to the yeah. point where some nights, if I'm getting out of my room to go to the bathroom or to go mm. get a drink from the fridge, and there's another door to another room open. I just my heart skips well, again, a beat. It, again, going, I, I, oh, I, reference, I reference the the basement scene in the water with with that. I, I exactly. can't go. Past, I can't go into a dark cellar or anything like that or something like that without thinking that I'm seeing something on the other side of the room. It had a little bit of that in Pet Cemetery where where he goes into the basement, but they decided to go the route of it being a portal to him going into the forest. Which isn't scary because that's completely not plausible at all. So I can't... Well, I it would have been plausible if they if they played on the fact that, that the house is haunted or the house is alive and but, connected but to the forest. But they don't, con- they don't place that except to connect the fact that he wakes up with dirt on his feet. He woke up with dirt on his feet, so he really did the walks. But then it makes... Uh, yeah. So it, how is the house connected? So if he just, owns all the land, it's on the land, so the land is possessed, but then it goes the poltergeist route, but without justifying why. So it's all just a bit, like, yeah, mismatch. It's, it's, it's not built on conducive. ancient Indian grounds, but they don't really elaborate on the connection. There's no and, and again, they don't show the demonic creature that's bringing things back. They, they, they show him once briefly, and it leads you to think maybe that evil spirit, the head honcho mm. evil spirit, is living inside church. Which I would believe. It, it, but they just, again, they don't get to that because they suddenly put the credit credits on. We just get nothing. It just at, at the lacks end of it. the depth that it needed. 
Which, uh, you, you know, it, imagine if they did it as one movie instead of two. It would not be. I'm really excited so for them to bring out chapter two because we're getting the whole story. We're getting the detail full book in yeah in the detail that we deserve. I uh, scores scores yes scores um uh technical score six mm-hmm. six and that's pretty generous i think three points is for john lithgow and three <laughs> three for jason clark really because they are what holds this movie together it's just compelling to watch two great actors share the screen there's something Again, timeless uh, about that yeah and there's great moments where they do share the screen there are and and they command presence and they keep you watching like i, did, I didn't feel bored i didn't feel like i wanted to do something else during the no, film no, I, no. I wasn't bored I, I, I was quite interested and engrossed in it but a lot of that is to do with those two so yeah, I technically I'd give it a six. Um, personal enjoyment, uh, seven, just, just a seven. Yeah. I'm exactly the same. Yeah, I'm a six and a seven because of yeah. the exact same reasons. Because even a bad Stephen King adaptation is still better than half the stuff that comes out anyway. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'll still take it. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, and I do think it could have been worse. It, it could have been much worse. It yeah. also could have been much better. Especially after the trailers, I did think it, it yeah. was going to be worse. But I, I was still excited. The idea of it was like, yep, keen. I, I'm keen, still, an, I'm still annoyed. And again, we're going to get to talking about trailers in a couple of weeks. But the, mm. the fact that the trailer gave away everything. everything. Again, I'd never seen a Pet Cemetery movie, but I knew exactly. Sarah and I kept leaning over to each other and saying, oh, this is the part where the daughter dies. Oh, this is the part where um, they if, take the cat. If the trailer and hadn't shown the, the daughter thing, dying... I would, I would have been content. Yeah, because I would have had no idea that that happened. Maybe it would have changed our perspective. I wonder if trailer, like, the trailer if, if in ruined. this instance the trailer ruined the, the, the movie. The the um, promotion was a massive. You know, they did a fantastic job with it because it certainly sold the movie. Because then they used the, the they were off the back of it, and they were kind of like, look at that Stephen King scary from the author of it. Yeah, so we we saw that and we got hyped up for it. The trailer then brought it down because I knew what was going to happen. Just said from from award-winning horror novelist Stephen King. Yeah. Simple yeah. or from Stephen King. Everyone knows who mm. he is, what his shtick is. The, again, the the trailer, the promotion brought it up back uh, off the back of it, exciting. The trailer brought it down because, again, one, it told us the entire story, and two, it didn't look like a very interesting story. I mean, when I say not very interesting, it didn't look like there was a lot of depth to it, but again, we were kind of like, oh, well, that's just the trailer, then maybe it'll be better. No, it was basically what we saw. Yeah. So, it... Yeah, take it on face value. Yeah, again, again look, it was... I, I did... I Look, I, it I enjoyed was fine. it. It was good. Yeah. a good watch. I'm glad I watched it rather than something else. And I'm glad I saw it in the cinema, to be honest. Yeah, I don't yeah. think, I don't think yeah. I'd have liked it as much if I saw it at home. In fact, I would have... I would probably would have lost patience. Yeah, I would have viewed it as something a little bit less like Chernobyl Diaries or, you know, something of that level of... Or, or you know, um, Operation Avalanche. Just something that's like a Netflix kind of movie rather than yeah. anything else. So I'm glad I saw it in the cinemas. I am too. I, I, mixed bag. I think I feel disappointed more than anything else because I was very much looking forward to it mm. and... Now that I've seen it and I go, yep, cool, it's still good, it's still passable, but it's not maybe what I built it up to be no. or what I 
hoped it would be and you know part of that's probably because we had such a high bar set by it mm. and thought maybe this is a new era where where there's going to be consistently good Stephen King adaptations but maybe maybe it is also good that it's not fantastic either mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know it's middle of the road for me I yeah I would agree and again a six and a seven is is quite fair yeah I think yeah we're being generous but yeah. That now brings us on to our favourite segment, which is our long-running Sick Kent of the Week. Of course, if you'd like to be our Sick Kent of the Week, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, iTunes Reviews, um, Spotify Podcast. Yes, yeah, Spotify. Or, or of course, we're there. We worked that out today, which is three weeks ago for well, you. It's, well, it's still pending right pending now. Pending right now, so... but I'm sure to be done with three weeks from now. Yeah. Um, oh and uh, imagine us on Spotify. Crazy. So, oh. yeah, lots of ways to reach out to us. Carry a pigeon, text us. Outpost. Outpost. Talk to us in person. Send a raven. Um, yeah, so we're, we're on all these things. Reach out to us. If you are on the show, of course, you are in with a very good shot of winning Sick Kent of the Week for that week, Drew. Unless, of course, you know, you've won it more than once. Exactly. Then you're probably not going to get it unless you're... You're not getting it a third time yet. Um, yeah. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Ever. Uh, <laughs> so, nominees. Um, I don't know. I think John Lithgow's won it in the past for some reason. Yeah, for some reason I think he has too. Is that Daddy's Home 2 maybe? Won possibly. It? I'm actually pretty happy with Jason Clark yep. having it if you are. Done. Because I like him and, you know, it's good to support our own. Aussie. good Aussie. Woo! No, I, I love him. He's fantastic. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I know you haven't watched it. You no, will, no. though. It is worth it. Also, how good was he as John Connor in Terminator Genesis? Yeah, I which we I both agreed it was yeah. a great movie. We both yeah. liked Genesis. Do I think it should be in the canon of Terminator? Uh, hard to say. <laughs> I, I think it works. It can live in the canon as as an alternate timeline option, mm. which is essentially what it is. It's a what if story. It's not. It's yeah, not I think it is more what be, if because um, the the possibility of parallel dimensions and multiple universes of multiple John Connors and that is perfectly acceptable. I we're, think we're dealing in fantastic. time travel. We're dealing in time travel. I think it's acceptable what it is. I think it does miss the mark on many counts as well, but, you know, maybe that's a review for another time. I think so. Uh, but yes, um, I'm sure, yeah, next week you'll be hearing our review of Shazam, mm-hmm. which I know you're you're still a little cautious about. I'm personally, I'm actually pretty keen. Yeah, we'll see. I've, I've got my, my reservations. One, it's a DC movie, and two, I'm not, I don't know much about it, and three, looks a bit... Childish? We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what see. happens. We'll see. Anyway, stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Mr. Drew, for being here. Thank you, Mr. Phil, for having me. Always. Until next time. Yep. It is I.